Hey, people. I just want to let you all know I'm very excited about ronbeek3.com. So that's ronbeek, B-E-E-K-I-I-I.com. Um, you know, I took some time to revamp the website. There's a lot of interesting things. It's like a central hub. There's a page about WT Fada. There's a page about comics. It's all sorts of stuff. So go check it out and tell me that I sent you. Uh, mm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very 153rd episode of What the Fuck Are We Talking About? I am one half of your hosting duo, Ron Beek III, joined here by Mr. Ryan Alves. Ryan, tell the good folks what the fuck we're going to be talking about tonight. Ooh, tonight we are talking about the 2011 classic by mm. Nicholas Winding Refn. Drive. Yes. Oh, it's a long time coming. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, wow. It's a good I'm one. I'm so psyched to talk about this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but before we get into that, we are going to be doing our standard off topic. Uh, so, a rundown you, of horror. A rundown of horror. Uh, so, if you want to skip the off topic and just get right into talking about drive and things that make you feel good, uh, you can jump ahead to this time code right here. 57 minutes and 35 seconds. Or you can stick around to hear us talk about America, where either one person gets shot by 30 people or 30 people get shot by one person. It's about variety. So... Yeah, I mean, not to start off on, like, the worst possible note, but this is just, uh, it's really hard to talk about frivolous things right now, because everything sucks and it's terrible. There was something like 200 shootings over, like, 4th of July weekend, besides, you know, the big ones that we heard about over the last couple of days, and, yeah. uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's exhausting to just be like, oh, hey, this is just how we're going to live from now on and also there's a pandemic happening and we're not acknowledging the you know hundreds of thousands of lives that would have been saved with like universal health care and it's just like oh no we're just gonna keep brutalizing you via the police and uh you know exploiting you at any available opportunity that we get and uh you know there's been a bunch of roe versus wade protests that have always escalated into police violence you know against peaceful protesters and uh you know it seems the only time the police sort of know how to 
empathetically do their job is when they're bringing in mass shooters. Well, I think they feel a kinship with people that uh, want to course. wantonly shoot of everyone. Of course, they, they feel kinship. They're basically recruiting. Yeah, you know, they're recruiters, you know? Yeah. It's just like, oh, you got a mean eye. Hmm. You yeah. do a little bit of training and some taxpayer dollars and you'll be good to go. And in the latest case, a couple of fucking dumbbells. Maybe like a steak or something. Because Jesus <sighs> fucking Christ. How did this person even lift a machine gun? That's, a, that's a question. This is a string beam. It's a string also, beam. Also, like, man. known to the FBI, they said. You know, well, I put in quotes. It's just again, like... this goes back to that whole U-Haul thing that I was talking about last week. Oh, you yeah. know, where yeah. it's like, the FBI is like, oh yeah, we've been monitoring these groups. And you're like, okay, well, what, are you monitoring them and then uh, actually, like, com- like, participating in the crime that you're stopping? Yeah. Like, because that's how you justify... You know, oh well, we need more money. Look at this. Look at this potential hate crime riot that we stopped. You know, like obviously we should have more money because look at how good we are at our jobs. And it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, when you create the problem, it's easy to justify yourself as the the solution. There's a lot of wisdom in uh, Red Dead Redemption, actually, and that was one of the big things that the villain Dutch says uh, at the end of his story arc is like. You know, when I'm gone, they're just going to find a new monster, you know, so that they can justify their paychecks. And it's like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly, exactly, you still see it today, still happening. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Roe versus Wade is still overturned. Fucking, our Miranda rights have been not totally nullified, but like, the police can no longer be penalized for like not reading them to us so that's yeah i didn't like, i didn't uh, look into that from last week so there it's just that there's no there's no uh punishment for not effectively doing it yeah making you know arrests and uh abductions kind of like i don't know fucking a free-for-all now you know yeah. If there's no, like, process or anything, it's just like, oh, you're a dissenter, or you're a terrorist, or you're a, you know, anything. Anybody that's working against the state in any way, or whatever, uh, you know, can just be scooped up and taken away. And it's like, this is the, the world... I mean, I guess that we've always lived in, but, like, now it just especially mm. sucks because everything else is kind of, like, compounded on top of it, of itself. I, I would I would say that it has ticked up. I, I think that it was shades of that before, but, like, the way it feels now is it's very blatantly out in the open, whereas before they had the yeah. courtesy of trying to, like, make well, it now, seem like that's not what's going on, and now, now they're just it's like, like, I'm gonna fuck you. <laughs> now it's happening to white people, so it's starting to get a little more traction, you know? Like, uh... Mm. I think just with, you know, woke culture, or whatever you want to fucking call it, or just the, the conversation about racism, and, uh queerness and you know uh empathy and just like feelings and trauma and all this other stuff like you know is a uh kind of a byproduct of like just all of this repression for however many years that's like worked and uh you know we're kind of the first up to like 
be like, hey, wait a minute, like, what, why, why does all, why does everything suck? Like, why, why is it that, like, every facet of, like, our life, <laughs> like, why is it all terrible? And why have, like, our parents' lives generally been one of, like, struggle or, you know, just repressed emotion and trauma and, uh, you know, even from their parents, like, I'm just thinking of the, like, trickle-down effects of the trauma of World War Two, and how we as Americans handled that at the time, hmm. and just, like, how that can impact an entire society for the next hundred-plus years, and, like, between the, like, weird, buried racism and ignored genocide i mean going even farther back to like the genocide of like the native americans and like just having convinced ourselves that we're like the land of the free home of the brave you know we did this by ourselves we're pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps we're doing a good job and we did it the right way we've always done it the right way and we're like you have moral never, leaders you've never said anything more cogent and true <laughs> on this podcast that that was beautiful man you touched me well deeply. you know they're just they're lying they've been lying you know and now like, i'm upset <laughs> no, i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> but like you know we're it feels like we're the first generation to i don't know collectively just have given up a little bit like, I think most of my friends want to die. Most of my friends, like, yeah. aren't going to have kids. Like, yes, there's, yeah, like, a yeah. general, like, all right, we're done. Like, with all yeah. of this that's, no, like, I mean, kind of permeating, like, everyone in our age, age range. You know? Well, I mean, it's sort of the, um, it's funny because it's not just here. Like, I know that, like, Japan's facing, yep. has faced a crisis where it's like, they're, <laughs> why aren't the kids breeding? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. He goes around, man. Yeah, like fuck fuck you guys. We're like we're almost like circumventing the resource conflicts that everybody's like been panicked about because it's like no, no, we're just gonna make less people. You know, (laughs) fuck this. You know, yeah. I don't don't know. I mean, my kids with more of more of my family's unprocessed trauma. Yeah, I don't. I don't have like the capacity to do that to another young person of my own creation right now and it's like i don't know if i ever will because like you know i'm a growing person and uh by the time that i might think i'm ready for kids i'll be a hundred years old and at that point i'll just be a wandering wizard or something like that like tales and casting spells yeah (laughs) i i could see that happening to you i could see that big old beard like one giant dread yeah, yeah, and uh, you know an Alan Moore esque, you know, exactly. figure traveling the lands and, you know, yeah, scribbling yeah. stories on rocks and shit. <sighs> it's it's beautiful, actually. Yeah, well, I don't know. Ex- except that the, uh, it'll be the backdrop of a nuclear apocalypse, and I'll just be like covered in blisters and fucking like weeping sores and just. But still doing rats. what you love. <laughs> yeah, you know, the silver linings. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I don't know, man. Fuck. It it definitely feels like the 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 gig is up. I think that one of the things that's interesting about our 
kind of place in history is that okay there's a couple things just right off the bat and i'm gonna list i'm gonna go i'm gonna say three that i that i want to talk about so the rise of totalitarianism in the entire world it seems to be on the uptick towards totalitarianism and i think that totalitarianism only comes about when things are unstable and uncertain and unsure so you have a very unstable society and people trying to figure out like what is going wrong and then they attach themselves to some fucking bullshit ideology and then that becomes the thing that they're like we're trying to save the world and uh like that is happening everywhere and that's really sad so like there's a way to stop that from happening yeah really scary too it's like there's a way to stop that from happening which is make things more equitable for everybody so that you know people have something to lose right um then there's the other part where we're seeing this insane uptick of mass shootings and you're watching this happen and you're thinking how could this happen why is this happening so much da 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 and it's like again here's a society where you've made it so that people don't have anything to lose that their lives are not going to get better there is no hope it's not a justification but that's what's happening it has nothing to do with like if they're a gun enthusiast or something or it has nothing to do i don't even necessarily think it has anything to do with mental health i think it has to do with societal health it's like if we could make it so that this place wasn't as crushing then these people that are vulnerable to these types of dark sadistic thoughts would be less likely to act on them because they have a future Um, well it's it's also like white supremacy a lot of these people are like um you know looking to i don't know either like purify or um I don't know. The root cause of a lot of this stuff is white supremacy, you know? And, like, until we kind of address the reason that that kind of stuff exists and, like, sort of the presence that it, you know, occupies in our, like, society, we're going to, like, keep having white male shooters. They are all, like, almost 100% of them are white dudes. And, like... You know, they might be delusional in one way or another, but, like, they're generally, like, chauvinist, fucking, like, ignorant, uh, like, hateful people who are, like, bitter to, you know, the world around them for existing and, like, casting them out or whatever. But it's, like, you know, they there are black people out there that have actively been cast out and are actively murdered and like pursued for you know chattel in the fucking machine who mm-hmm. don't go on mass mass killing sprees no. sure there's tons of fucking you know domestic abuse and you know drugs and gang violence in impoverished black and brown communities and stuff but like you know you see it in violence taken out amongst one another yeah, well, by it's gang another, violence or whatever, but it's like a, it's another staple of I think it's another it's a side effect of another staple of white crime, which is serial killing. Serial killing is generally stranger on stranger interactions 
primarily committed by uh, white males. Um, yeah. So here's stranger on stranger crime on a mass level. And, and I think that the rise of... I think the rise of the mass shooting, the, the mass shooter in this era feels very similar to the rise of the serial killer in the 60s and 70s, where it was like all of a sudden out of the woodwork, it was, there's like a thousand of them. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And it took, <clears throat> it took a, an evolution of the tactics by which we analyze, um, analyze criminals the way that John Douglas set up the behavioral science unit uh, for the FBI enabled them to actually more effectively track these people um, the problem with mass shooters is that there's not there's not a crime there are crimes that lead up to them like in this case this guy's known to police right whatever the fuck that means but it's like to look at like, you have to do the same... You, I think you have to take the same approach that John Douglas took to serial killing. Which is, you look at the crime, and then you have to deconstruct the components of it to hopefully find psychological markers. And you have a gigantic data set now, where you could potentially analyze all those things, find the similarities, and then actually be able to figure out who would be vulnerable to it. But we're almost in, like... The mass shooting is a is a tough one because it's almost in the realm of like minority report where you actually have to like figure out who's going to do the thing before it happens and that's not good either because what if that science is flawed well it's it's changing our our uh, criminal justice system from a reactionary one to a preventative one and like having facilities that are based less in punishment and more in like empathy, you know, yeah. like, cause these are all troubled dudes, yeah. privilege and ignorance and whatever else besides like these people are so detached that they can go into a store in a poor neighborhood and fucking gun down a bunch of fucking brown people just because, because they think it's a, you know, it's a good idea and it's, taking one back for the white man or whatever and it's like you tell I, that I dude that everyone is from a collective continent or whatever however far back like I don't know I don't know how you get through to all these people I'm not a trained professional but like if we shift our, our mode of thinking from we need to get these people who are out of their minds into small boxes in dark dirty fucking horrible places yeah. and that'll cure them like yeah. to something more along the lines of like you know this person is a you know threat to themselves and the people around them mm -hmm. like they need professional help like somebody who like has like, some experience with this kind of stuff or like their right. backgrounds cuz i'm yeah. sure there are social workers out there who are criminally underfunded who you know probably could have prevented something like this from happening if he had access to something like therapy or if his family, like, you know... Or if our culture in general didn't thrive on exploitation in the way that it does. Having people work five days a week, conditioning yeah. even children for the work week, 40 hours a week, fucking, you know, working until you're dead, 
just like the whole thing is built so that you just are a piece of like meat to help other pieces of meat make more money than you like you'll ever see and just like you know create more little pieces of meat for the fucking grinder and it's like yeah you know our whole the whole thing is just built wrong you know like it's built on like punishment and bigotry and uh just hate and genocide and it's like you know we might have had a couple of like good ideas in some of the things that you know we profess to be founded on but like yeah there is nothing in the practice of anything that we've written down that has like yielded any kind of real uh positive impact for the human race or even the people of this country at large yeah i mean i think i think like the that without amendments you know like that declaration of independence and sort of like what we're founded on is all beautiful stuff if you apply it as it's written you know the problem is the fact that like all the people writing that own slaves well yeah and like that's what i'm saying is what they what they wrote is all men are created equal you know but that's not what it meant when they were writing it they were talking about each other like all of us white guys are created equal (laughs) But if you take that document not, and you the just other go, people aren't men. Those aren't <clears throat> if you go, all men are created equal, and you say that that's mankind, that's everybody, that's every person is created equal. Every per, if you apply it in that way, it's a great sentiment. But you have people argue about what these things mean constantly, and it kind of like dilutes the whole thing. I think if you took that word as, you know, as it's written, and you just applied it as it's written, I think we'd be better off, but we have, you know, like, we just had, and I was I was happy to see that a lot of these people were out-of-state people, but we just had in Boston a fucking Patriot Front march. Yep, I saw you that. Know, and I'm like, here's here's the thing, you know, you're out there professing to love America but like if you are if you're to me if if you're a real patriot the ideas of what America is supposed to be are tied up in that document you know and and I think you read that document as it's written and without subtext, without reading in between the lines, you read that as it's written. I understand it's important to recognize the history, and that's fine. But I think it's a better world if you just read that and apply that as Bond. So, like, these guys that are saying that they're, like, patriots and they love America and they're trying to protect America from, like, you know, like, some type of impurity or some fucking shit, is like, okay, well, the whole idea is for us to take the best from the world be like hey like, come here like we like let's build a better society here and we should be looking in every corner because you don't know like have we learned nothing from goodwill hunting 
This man was a janitor, and he was a brilliant mathematician. Like, shouldn't we have learned something from... No, 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 no. It's just an example. But, like, you, you would be amazed at how many people are brilliant out there, you know? Like, all over the world. There are brilliant people everywhere with brilliant ideas. And it's like, that's what... I think that's the secret to success is, like, being able to say, like, hey, we can give you a better life here. And it's like, we're not doing that at all. It's not a better life. It's it's just horrible. And you have, like, you know, xenophobic people, you know, that are so narrow-minded and simple-minded, you know, kind of stifling any I, I mean if I was from another country and somebody said oh well come to America we'll give you something to work and I was like of a you know if I was of Indian African Asian descent you know and they were like oh come to America and we'll give you a high paying job and everything it'd be a it would be a I would have to think on it quite a bit right now just based on everything that's going on here it's not good and I think yeah. that it all ties back to what I was saying. You create a society where people have something to lose, and I think people would behave better, you know? And I think that, that that's what, when you're talking about, you know, creating a, a system that's, uh, you know, based on empathy and that getting these people help, you know, before they cause this type of chaos... You know, whether it's a mass shooter or a fucking cop, it's like, you go, yeah, like, that's hopefully giving them something to lose. It's giving them a sense that it's like, okay, like, I'm it's not giving them like a, hated. A, a alternative, a place in society, you know? Yeah. And to be able to say, like, look, we or understand that you're... need to find it. Yeah. We understand that you're going through something terrible and that it's real dark in your head. And, like that can be managed you know that that can be managed and yeah. we can we can help you you know get to that place and then there was a third thing and i don't remember what it was <laughs> we went off but it's like i i just i look around and i i you just see it everything fracturing on a global scale i mean it's not just here it's just you um it it feels like a inevitable pull towards chaos and that you know i would i would think that you would find like i i wonder if this is the cycle you know where it's like we drift deeper and deeper into chaos and instability and we're all fighting amongst each other. And then there's some type of totalitarianist thing that happens where it's like, all right, we've decided that the root of the problem is, you know, this group. And now yeah. we're going to do something about this group. And then you see that happen, and then people get so appalled that they're like, holy fucking shit, like, we got to band together and stop this from happening. And then... Everybody comes out of that experience being like, we're never going that to that place again. We're, we're going to live and let live. And, like, 
you start doing that, but then you have these couple of people. You start having, like, these pockets of dissent where they go, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, I'm all for live and let live, but are we really going to let gay people get married or something? You know, and then it's like you start having, like, the fracturing happen again. And I wonder if that's just, like, the ebb and flow of this thing. And it's, it's a very uncomfortable position to be in. And I wish that we would learn from our mistakes. I think we can't in a, seem to learn. I think in a capitalist backdrop, this is just sort of the sequence of events um, in systems of, like, oppression, you know? Do you I, think it's just capitalist, though? I think that's the root. Something that's, like... Like, when we monetize everything, people lose intrinsic value because you start assigning dollar amounts to everything instead of like emotional value and like now nothing has emotional value and we're taking stuff in and 30 second 20 second 10 set 5 second bits on like tiktok or you know even something as i don't know uh innocuous as like reading stuff online you know yeah and um you know, I think physical media will always, like, exist or whatever, but, like, I think our understanding of physical media and, like, meaning in today's culture is, like, totally fucking warped because we're all just trying to fucking make money so that we can survive because nobody can survive, so we become addicted to having this thing... <clears throat> That that we hope hope you know makes it easier for us to exist, and that's yeah. money, and that's capitalism. And like, if we didn't have money to worry about, if we were like paid a livable wage, we only had to mm. work three or four days a week. We had like time to like you know paid vacation, paid maternal leave for both parents, right. fucking great education systems, a college system that funnels you into the <clears> workforce. <throat> Like, you know, a workforce in the country that actually, like, makes stuff, like a thriving arts community, a thriving, like, music, you know, I mean, arts arts encompasses music and everything else and education, and it's just, like, once you start to just try to advance people's, you know, life, you know, we can actually progress as, like, a species, because we're not just trying to survive. Like, I'm... Yeah, I've been you know I've only known systems of survival since I was a kid. You know, like, yeah, I've been yeah. predominantly poor, and even as like an adult, my means are incredibly small, and like my wants are pretty small. But like I still find myself aspiring to quote unquote fame or whatever, just so that I can like have some stability in my life which also just equates to just having money and like that sucks you know just like needing that to survive or like having to find some fucking tricky way around it sucks you know and you could you could start like a commune drop off the map etc etc but like no, you know, but then you, you you're know. an outlier, and then the problem you get is fucking taxed, you know, in fifteen years for not existing, and then you get thrown in jail. That's like, the, what? I think the problem in all of these things is just, I don't know why we are so short-sighted, but we are. It's like, 
<coughs> the pull Both towards yeah. corruption is like horrific. I, I don't know why people were like this, but it's like, you know, that's the that's what's happening with our society right now is a pull towards corruption from the highest levels of society that are just you know bleeding uh, those below them like pigs, you know, and it's it's horrific to watch that, just like it's <clears throat> horrific to watch the way that a lot of communist countries like play out because historically it feels like you watch them say oh everything being equal and then it's like yeah but the people at the top that are controlling that and are you know dealing with the books are like cooking the books and they're taking more than what they're supposed to so it like winds up not being equal in that way and it's like I, I feel I just I don't know why we are so prone to being like so greedy. Except that I understand I I understand greed in a in a survival sense, you know, like oh well I've got to get the most amount of food so that I I make it through the winter. Fuck that other squirrel! I don't care if he starves. I need to survive. But at a certain point, you go, I have enough, right? Shouldn't there be a point where you have enough? Shouldn't there be a point where you go, well, maybe I should help other people? Well, like, there was... Jeff was telling me about this crazy experiment. And, you know, it's like a room full of chimpanzees. And, you know, there's like one banana at the top of a ladder. And, you know, if a chimpanzee goes up and grabs it, um, I think the rest of them get electrocuted or something like that. Or, like, get a shock. Mm-hmm. It's something like, something enough to, like, pr- want them to, like, keep the next dude that tries to go up and get a banana, like, from doing it. Mm-hmm. But they'll... Um, I think they take out the... Like, most of the chimps that had, you know, been in the room with, like, the monkey that got the banana... That they had all, like, beaten on after, like, mm-hmm. he got it um, when he went up the second time. And replaced it with, like, another, you know, group of uh, chimpanzees. And, like, when one went up to, like, try and climb it, like, the one from the group before kind of, like, led an attack on that dude. Mm-hmm. And everyone else didn't really know why. But it was just, like, the collective understanding that, like, they couldn't get the banana or whatever then they like switched out another group of monkeys and I think just kept the one that like had tried to get it before and like took away the bananas and um it was just like anytime somebody like climbed the ladder they started getting attacked I can't remember what it was specifically Mm. I'm probably describing it terribly but it's just like the steady corruption of just like the like carrot on the the stick theory yeah. And, like, telling... And, like, the game of telephone, generationally, that's, like, all you gotta do is work hard and, like, get a good job and, like, get married and you'll have a good life. And it's, like, you know, that was maybe our great-great-grandparents. Great-great-grandparents, if, like, uh, you know, they immigrated here, not on the bottom of, boat, of a boat. Um, and, you know... 
pretty much every generation like since World War Two has kind of been like fed this like weird propaganda of like this uh you know, wholesome Americana that's like very polite and like very white and uh very nice and um you know it's just weird to I don't know grow up I guess even three or four rounds of telephone after that and just see the like weird uh decay underneath all that like makeup you know yeah it's definitely a um it's a tough time Oh, I remembered what the third thing was. I just, I just, it just popped into my head. I think one of the things that's happening with our generation <clears throat> is that we are like cynical versions of hippies because we have <laughs> the retrospect of looking at what the hippies accomplished in the seventies and being like, "Yeah, well, what the fuck?" They're like, there's literally, we're kind of at a dead end. It's like we can just keep saying this shit over and over again until we're blue in the face, but the people at the top don't give a fuck, you know? And it's like, you can't, it seems like we can't get any hippies to wind up being like senators or anything. <laughs> like, we can't get see, uh, anybody in. I, I think it was, a, it was either an Australian dude or the, uh, I think it was an Australian prime minister or something like that, but he's in, like, in a pink cutoff shirt he's got this scraggly like white like beethoven hair and he's i think he's talking to the un or whatever about the overturning of like roe versus wade and you know the right to choose is a human right and Mm -hmm. he's basically just like why don't why doesn't anyone act when the united states you know commits atrocities like against their citizens like this is not like a uh what is it? It's like something against uh, like uh, human, yeah, it's a, a, human um, right. Um, God damn it! Yeah, but and yeah, I know. I, why can't I come up? I had it too. You you lost it, and then I was like, oh, I know what he's gonna say, <laughs> and then I almost had it. I fucked it up. God damn uh, it! But it's uh, it's like I a war, really a crime name. against humanity, a crime against yes. humanity. Yes. yes, there it is. And um, you know, and this dude's just putting the United States on blast and he's the only one it's like him and uh, another lady uh, Claire something maybe but yeah you I know, mean I think and they, and they see it they're just like oh yeah this is is America a functioning democracy if it's fucking murdering its citizens and like denying a fundamental human right to at least half of its citizens yeah, like, I I honestly my whole take is just there are things that you can legislate and there are things that you cannot, and it's like to me, I women are like magic, right? Like that's that's what they're like bringing people into the world. They're like like portals into whatever lies behind and ahead of us. Like that they're, they're that that's the that's what they are. And, like, to try to figure out some way, like, to try to tell them what they can and can't do about that power seems ridiculous. It's just, like, leave it alone. Sit well, this one very, out. Uh, it's a very man 
very like manly gesture to like try and control. Well, um, yeah, and I mean that's where everything like, like this almost designed to kind of like take on that responsibility. But we like we have to be smart enough to be like, okay, yeah, don't no. you know? I mean, I think yeah. that there's a lot of men in this country that feel that yeah, we have no fucking say in this and we shouldn't and we recognize that this is not good and I, I don't know why <clears throat> you know there's a couple of things that bother me about that whole situation one of them is what I said the other one is that a lot of these people were saying this is because of like religious reasons and I'm like well your religion isn't supposed to be part of the government so shut up yep you know, so-called like, separation of church and state. Like, yeah, I, I, uh, it's it's so antithetical. It's like that—that's a theocracy, right? I mean, that's not—that's not democracy. You know, that's not America to me. Like America is like when they say one nation under God. Even that is something that I'm like, what God? What are you talking about? No, you know, exactly. That's, that's a crazy thing to say. Way out of like that should not be there. Like I should no. not have said the Pledge of Allegiance every day in school. No, you know. No. I mean, like I I prefer to be like one nation under Cthulhu, you know, or something. You know, like I feel like that's that probably more accurately describes the America that we <laughs> we occupy. The, what is it? Sorry. One nation under Cthulhu. You know, <laughs> like I think that that's. That's probably closer in spirit to uh, where we're actually at. But I just, it's really strange. Like, that's why you have to read that document in the, in the, in the tone of the day, I guess. You know, you can't read it like it was written because if you read it like it was written, then it's like all white people are created equal (laughs) under, you know, Jesus Christ and his dad. You know, I mean, what I mean? we, like, we we no. should do a rendition of that actually, just to like clear the air and be like, okay, this is what the actual like uh declaration of independence yeah. is and mm-hmm. means to America and we yeah. are going to like get rid of exactly like this, 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 this and this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's literally just taking because what's weird is that the document as written I don't know why it's written the way that it's written but it's written very broadly so it doesn't say specifically you know we believe all white men are created equal but that's the that's what's under the surface of it so it's interesting that that's that the intent isn't actually written down in it so you can read it in a modern kind of parlance and be like oh yeah like yeah, I yeah right, all, all people you know, gay, straight, trans, you know, like black, white, Asian, Native American, Mexican, Canadian, yeah, you know, everything. everybody <laughs> equal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can read it that way still, which is nice, and that's how I've always taken it. And then I find out about all of this other stuff, and you go, oh, okay. Oh. And you get really disappointed about, you know. Because I, I, I just, I want to live in the America that I guess I, I read on paper, you know. 
that's the that's the place that I would like to occupy. Um, <laughs> uh, which paper? Uh, the, the Declaration of Independence, like that that first. Not any of the amendments, because I think the amendments get squirrely. That's where they start to be like, well, we didn't mean that. You know, so we're going to roll that one back a little, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think everyone should read the, like, fucking, um, is it the People's History of the United States? I think that's what it's called. So people, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what yeah, it's Yeah, something. But it just, like, documents, like, how big of a piece of shit Chris Columbus was, and just, like... The evolution of the slave trade and like you know the slave trade's sort of existence even outside of you know black and white crime or whatever but you know just some some like actual valid context outside of just like you know the north wanted from the south and the slaves were freed everyone That's was right. happy and it's like yeah but what, weren't there native the americans end. but wasn't there like what about the like black people that were in the south? And it's just like, nope, everyone was happy. Shut no, up. It's just, yeah. you know. That's what happened. There's no context. <laughs> no, that's that's what that's what happened. One hundred percent. It's a happy ending. You know? It look at it it ended and everything stayed great forever after. And there were no more issues involving that type of stuff. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, awesome. Native Americans have casinos. What's to be said about? We allow them to make money. I mean, that's that's huge. <laughs> I'm obviously like dipping into parody. Okay, don't get mad. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. calm down. I'm not. I'm speaking. You know, I often speak in the guise of an ignorant asshole. I'm not really an ignorant asshole. All right, so just <clears throat> I do it to illuminate a point. I guess you know that's that's my goal. I don't know, man. It's, um... It's crazy out here. It is. It's it's, a, it's like a nightmare. <laughs> like, it, it keeps getting more and more towards that point of being like, is this a dystopian... Like, is this, like, the dystopian future? This is, like, a prologue to, like, RoboCop and Judge Dredd? Like, <laughs> you know, we're almost there. Yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, we're pretty actually we're pretty much there. I I, I I've seen a uh, a RoboCop meme that's like, wouldn't it be crazy like if a corporation like had bought out the police and like you know forced a <laughs> bunch of people out to like drive up prices after like demolishing uh, whatever? And it's just like RoboCop's not running around, but that's the dystopian future that we're living in right now. You know, I wonder how far off we are from a RoboCop. Like, I mean, there's those little dogs and shit. And like, that's that's pretty much a RoboCop. Oh, the Boston Dynamics dogs. Yeah, yeah. Those that pisses me off that that has to be in this region of the country, because I'm like, so when the shit hits the fan and the robots take over, where the people that are on the front line, like, fuck off. I, I do not <laughs> want that responsibility. I'm not fighting a bunch of robot dogs. I'm gonna get in a boat. And I'm gonna go to the middle of the ocean, and we'll see how this plays out. I have I have no <laughs> desire to fight a fucking robot dog. I'm all, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Is that episode of Black Mirror? Did you ever see that called Metalhead? Yes, I think. The so. Lady's getting chased by one of those fucking things. Yes, dude, it's horrible. I'm like that. This is just the worst case scenario. It's fucking crazy. 
I'm not into it. Yeah. <sighs> you see those yeah, motherfuckers opening doors with their tails? Do you see that shit? It's wild. No. They fucking wa- it walked up to this door and it like its tail whipped around and it went around the knob and turned it and then opened it and it walked through and I'm like, "Oh, come on, no. Please, please stop." You know, like this is just one false move away from Skynet territory. I'm just, I don't want it. You know, we already have Google is alive. You know, it's like, it's all it takes is like the Google chatbots to figure out how to like ride the wires into one of these robot dogs. We're all fucking dead. And all this stuff we're talking about doesn't matter anymore. All right. We're in a lot of trouble. Okay. (laughs) This is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely circling the two, you know. It's like it, it, every fucking it, literally. I was thinking about Watchmen the other day, and I was like, God damn it! Like are we we are so there. We're so like we're in almost like a Watchmen. It's like the Doomsday Clock is set at four to midnight, and it's like you know the Russians might drop a nuke on you know. What I mean? It's like. All of these things are happening, and, like, that's what's sickening about this. It's the same reason that... It's the same thing I feel about Jeff Bezos. Like, oh, my God, like, a bald, megalomaniac billionaire that's exploiting people and thinks he's better than everybody else? No Superman. You know? Like, all of this crazy shit that's the backdrop of Watchmen? No superheroes. You know? It's like... <laughs> the, it's just there's no... There's nothing. It's just it's the it's all the the horrible things that you read about in these stories, and none of the levity, none of the light. It's not here. There's no. It's it's uh. Yeah, it's it's hell. <clears throat> troubling. Literal hell. <laughs> it's, it's troubling. It really is. It's very. I I don't know what to. Uh, I don't know what to do with it anymore. I, I just oh. sort of watch it. Yeah, and make some comics. Yeah, I mean it's like it's funny. It's like it's just that's you kind of default back into what you do. Um, and that it doesn't fix it, you know. That's what's that's what's frustrating. Is it's like it's like you can continue to cope with this stuff, but trying to find a way to actually make a difference is very elusive, you know? I, I, I don't know what it... Like, the people that could make a difference won't make a difference, you know? I think there's, like, a like a, a thing about <clears throat> the amount of money that Jeff Bezos has, right? It's, like, astronomical, the amount of money. And I think that it actually works out that he could give every person in America a million dollars and still be, like, $200 billion in the bank. And it's like, that's incredible. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, if you have that amount of money, like, doesn't it feel... You can literally, like, end poverty, homelessness, like... Yeah. Like, wouldn't you think that you would feel almost like an obligation to your society to do that and I mean wouldn't that solve even like your PR situation because I look at you and I just see you know a bald dude in his midlife crisis that has all of this money and he's like Ebenezer Scrooge 
You know what I mean? Like, I see him and I have no good feelings towards Jeff Bezos. I fucking hate the man. Yeah, you know? Dude. And it's like, I, uh, I, you could, you could put a serious dent in that by giving back to the people that made you that fucking rich. You know what I, I don't know. Or the people that you've exploited to get that fucking rich. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. make no mistake, he has earned almost none of that. Oh, yeah, no, I know. That's why I hate him. Well, That's why, like, last year, how many of his fucking workers died in his warehouses? You know what I mean? It's like he's a fucking scumbag. I, I know that. And that's kind of my uh, point. Did you see the the Sky Titanic? I I know that he's been working on it for a while. I yeah. I don't know what the update is. They they just like unfurled it or whatever, and like gave it a runway show or whatever. But it's like a, a cruise ship uh, airplane that can like stay in the sky for years and like possibly go into space. And it's like. Motherfuckers, I see you. <laughs> I see all of you right now. Like, I will is, kamikaze myself onto that thing so fast. Is that um? Isn't this the uh, the plot of the Winter Soldier? Isn't this the <laughs> you know? No, I, I think that's just gonna be them leaving. You think it? You think it's leaving? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. We we figured out solar power. We figured out <clears throat> renewable energy. We figured out. You know, levitation and, like, magnets, basically, for, like, renewable, sustainable energy. And we put yeah, but... it all onto this space boat, and now we're going to leave. And, like, yeah, thanks but you know for, something? you know. I, I, I'm i going to be honest with you, okay? This is just my feeling. Is I think that for him to do that, uh, he's not going to be able to continue doing free shipping. It's just, a, <laughs> like, an, it's an impossibility. You know, it costs money to get from, you know, sector four of Gamma Quadrant 2195, you know, to Cincinnati. You know, I mean, it's a. You're not wrong. That's a haul. You're not wrong. Those poor drivers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how all this, uh. How this shakes out, because. Well, I mean, Elon Musk has talked about colonizing Mars, which I think is, has slowed down a little because he's having to spend a bunch of money on a on an app that won't exist in ten years. <laughs> uh, people go, "Oh, Twitter's destroying society. We should probably stop." Um, yeah, no. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a nightmare. Well, there's two sides of Twitter, I guess. There's there's good stuff there too, but there's a lot of fighting. Yeah. People get real ugly when they have like uh, internet-based anonymity, I guess. Yeah, well, they can uh, kind of hide behind that, you know. People love that shit. Yeah, they get mean. But anyways, I don't know. I I don't really. I feel like I don't really want to talk about any movie stuff. Um, <laughs> as oh, far as the off-topic yeah. goes. I'd- yeah. I mean, we can do a quick rundown if you want. I, I just am... It's just... feels tone deaf yeah. <laughs> at this point to even bring it up. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Dwayne Johnson might have hinted at a Henry Cavill returned as Superman. 
Uh, hope that's not a jarring segue. Uh, there's going to be a Transformers <laughs> Beast Wars movie. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Uh, oh, Thor Love and Thunder reviews are lackluster. Uh, uh, Christian Bale said he would return as Batman if Christopher Nolan wanted him to. Uh, um, <sighs> I don't know. That's basically it. That's probably the things I was most excited to talk about. So Nice. Now that we got that out of the way, I, I guess we can go ahead and throw on over to the old commercial because yeah. capitalism because capitalism uh mr alves what the fuck are we talking about we're talking about drive baby drive it's about we're talking about drive we're talking about power we're talking about something else that we devour uh <laughs> Uh, that's all I know. Oh, whatever. I fucking hate that song. Uh, I'm sorry, The Rock. I'm sorry, uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Uh, yeah. No, we're yeah. talking about the much better drive. Um, by Nicholas Winding Refn. Yes. Yeah. Probably my favorite Refn movie and also just kind of one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah what, every, every, why I is it so know. good? I don't why? know. It's, I mean, we'll get into it. But. Yeah. I want to talk about Drive in a, in a particular way. I feel like we've buried the lead here a little bit. But there's a... This originated on Reddit. Um, the idea of the Yellow Light Trilogy. I the Yellow Light Trilogy... Right is a series of movies that are actually not related to one another at all. Um, and it's Drive, Nightcrawler, and traditionally Collateral. Um, and basically the, the, <clears throat> the sort of reason that they group them together is it's like they're all set in Los Angeles. They're all kind of about lonely people. Um... And, you know, somehow related to crime, you know. And uh, the Yellow Light trilogy kind of originated there. And I... Here's the thing, is when I think about Collateral, I like Collateral, but I also feel like there's kind of two lead characters in Collateral. And... That goes against kind of the structure I feel like I see in Drive and in Nightcrawler. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to cover the Yellow White Trilogy as it stands, and then I'm going to nominate what I think is probably my preferred third feature in the Yellow White Trilogy. Um, and we'll get to that. I'm very excited to talk about that particular one because it's bizarre, to say the least. Um, but I think you'll kind of see why I lean towards putting that in, in my particular Yellow Light trilogy. It's also of a similar era, you know. Collateral, I think, came out in 2004, so it predates this movie by, what is it, like six or seven years? Seven years? Um, yeah. And the rest of them are kind of grouped a little bit tighter, um, like within the same decade. Um, 
but anyways, yeah. So Drive is the one we're starting with, and I think probably is the... Actually, no, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say definitively is the best, I think, of the, the Yellow Light trilogy. Um, it's, yeah. <clears throat> from From the jump, the first time I saw it, I was completely blown away by it. It's just so different and uh, kind of sentimental and thoughtful and still kind of does like the action kind of tropes, but in a way that feels so different than so many other things. Yeah. Yeah, it really, like, I don't know. I saw it at a time that I... uh just hated Ryan Gosling for no reason and um, <laughs> you know I'm sure I, there was a reason he took my first name <laughs> I had to fight him to get it back that's right uh, oh no it was just like the notebook and everything else had kind of corrupted whatever idea that I had of him in my brain Cause mm-hmm. I, I mean I had no exposure to him otherwise right, um right. So I kind of like had written off Drive when it came out, and didn't see it for you know a few you know probably like a year or two afterwards. Um, and when I did get around to seeing it, I was just like, "Holy shit, this is so much better than uh, kind of what I had made it out to be in my brain." And uh, yeah, it's it's really excellent. Uh, fucking something about this movie is like prime time riffing and uh, does a lot of stuff that he doesn't really do too often in his subsequent movies like like tight fucking ballistic action yeah. even for just like quiet moments or quick moments like I feel like the violence is still there, but it's like less actiony or something. Um, yeah, like less bombastic or something. But yeah. I don't know. Something about a dude coming through a window with a shotgun—it's just like so fucking cool. And like, it feels like a tropey thing, mm-hmm. but it just like it's making its own tropes for the tropes or something. It's—I don't know. It's an amazing. Yeah beautiful fucking action movie um that's that's also not an action movie you know yeah they did something interesting too where like i think this is something that i know they did on the pilot of lost um and they did it i think if you go back and you watch jaws you'll notice it there too but it's like in lost it's not until they lift a um they lift a piece of debris off of somebody's legs that you see like the flash of blood you know like real blood um and in Jaws I think they very specifically try to like weed out the red earlier on in the movie so that when Alex Kittner gets attacked by the shark and there's all this blood in the surf it's like a really visceral like oh fuck you know um about and i feel like july kind of does the same thing it's like we see standard all beat up um and there's blood there but he's kind of in shadow and stuff but like when that shotgun blast goes off and like christina Hendricks's fucking head just disappears it's fucking insane like it's so fucking crazy um 
it's just real shocking, you know. Um, and then I mean, it, it, like it keeps it keeps going. There's a couple of like truly brutal moments uh, in this. Uh, I think Ryan Gosling stamping on that dude's head <laughs> in the elevator is yeah. one of like the most. I don't know, man. I, I it's I, I always feel like a sociopath when I say these things, but. Like, I love that scene. It's, like, an insane moment, and it's, like, punctuated so well by the kind of the context of it, you know? That, like, he understands that, oh, I'm about to protect you from someone who's going to kill you, but by doing this, I recognize that this is it. It's over, you know? That you're about to see something about me that is going to make you very afraid of me. You know, and I yeah. think like when like Ryan Gosling has talked about Drive is like a actually like a werewolf movie, and when you look at it that way, especially in that scene, it's like he does this, you know, collapses this dude's fucking head, and like the elevator doors open, and Carrie Mulligan like backs away from the situation, and there's this shot where like you're facing away from Gosling but he has this fucking arched back and his arms are out and it looks like his fingers are kind of all tensed like this and he just like turns around and looks at her and he has like blood on his jacket and he looks like like almost like like sick or scared himself you know even and like then the elevator door is closed and like when you think about Drive as a werewolf movie and you see that shot. It's like the after transformation shot. It's like him turning back into a person again, you know, and not really knowing what he's done or something. It's a, it's a great, it's a really fun way to watch Drive. Every time, like, night comes, this dude turns into an animal, you know? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, yeah, fuck yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's also kind of funny, you know? Like, he knocks the dude out and then he there's like a moment where he's you know getting kind of like comfortable and like ready to just like step on this dude's head and then he just like continues to step on it and then there's like a brief moment of like the top of his head like popping off and some like brains like flying out and it cuts back to him and he just keeps like Dude, sort of rhythmically like, like stepping on it and, Punisher uh, Warzone style <laughs> yeah. like it's oh god yeah what a fucking shot yeah, it's it's brutal and uh you know, just I don't know. It feels like cheeky, I guess, just given how like <clears throat> grounded I guess the rest of this this guy, the director's stuff is. And yeah. um Yeah, this this feels like the most um Not pastiche, but like the most like stylized of like his movies, I guess. You know, sort yeah. of in 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 both like the story and execution. You know, like it's it's just so well built, and like well edited, and like well considered. Um, it just it's it's a like a lightning in a bottle kind of thing because the rest He's... of his stuff is still good, but. Nothing it's really, really kind of shines like this. To me, it feels... I, I almost think of him like I think of M. Night Shyamalan, where, like, 
he comes on the scene and M. Night Shyamalan has The Sixth Sense and Nicholas uh, Winding Refn has uh, Bronson. And it's like... Oh, was that before? Two, was that before yeah, this? Yeah, this is, this is before, yeah. So he has Bronson cool. and you're like, oh, you're like, wow, this guy has a voice. Like, okay, interesting. Very good movies. And then for M. Night, he moves on to Unbreakable, which to me is his undisputed masterpiece. Like, you can say signs oh what a twist all you want unbreakable was fucking a beautiful movie and then uh you know refin goes from bronson to drive which i think drive there's nothing <coughs> nothing else that compares to it yeah. and i think that uh i think it's an improvement on whatever he had going when he did bronson you know i think bronson owes a lot to like uh, a clockwork orange, you know, whereas I feel sure. like Drive feels very much like this is an original thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he definitely hits like a high point with this stuff because I, I recently watched um, the his Pusher trilogy, which yeah. was like excellent, and um, it's got like a very young Mads Nicholson in it, and... It just it just rocks. Like the first one is super super crusty and like kinda unproduced. It feels like a handheld move like video cam movie. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still you know, sorta of like it he still has his eye, you know, like the cinematography's still there and like the sort of pace and like structure is still there. Um but you know, you see him kind of figure it out and push her to, and then start to, you know, not streamline it, but like try try stuff with a budget. You know, like Pusher yeah. Three is like really well produced and super slick, and um, Pusher Two is the only one like starring Mads Nicholson, but like that one kind of feels the most refin of all the movies just mm-hmm. considering like the stuff he's done since because um, yeah. it, it's like it's pretty lean it's like based around like a heist or something that goes wrong and it just has like all these great colors all this great shadow like really great uh it's like editing and like sound mixing and like music and it's just you know you can see him walking uh, where he's going, like walking here, where he's going to run with drive, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. man, yeah. And he fucking, he fucking nails it with drive. Like everything is just, like, perfect, you know? All the, like, sort of slow mo zooms or the, like, slow mo shots of just, like, characters. Like the one of, uh, Nino at the end, like laughing with like the lady in the blue dress, just like staring into space, just like Beautiful. frozen and expressionless, and he's just like making it looking like an ass, you know, just like cackling or whatever. It's just, yeah. I don't know. He managed to get so many great tiny moments out of everybody. Um, like Ryan Gosling is fucking amazing in this movie, dude. Um, people give him like, so much shit. And um, it is man. so undeserved. Uh, there's so many people that talk about this movie and they say that he is, like, 
wooden and like he's not a good actor and blah 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 and all this stuff and I'm like no he's playing this guy like this is who this guy is like he's he might oh, yeah. be like spectrumy maybe like uh, there's a lot of stuff left unsaid about exactly who the driver is but he is a fascinating character you know he's got so much that he wants to say and so much that he doesn't and all of those micro expressions are is where like all that stuff lives like yeah there's uh there's an exchange in the beginning with him and brian cranston and the girl i can't remember Mm. her name irene Uh, irene Uh, yeah where it's like you know he offers um his driving services mm-hmm. and like you know he kind of like smirks at Brian Cranston for like a second and then like when he shoots a look at uh you know Irene he like smiles like just a little bit more before he kind of like reels it back in and it's just like knowing when to like cut and like how to edit all this stuff and just like catching this these like moments it's just like yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a portfolio piece for fucking everybody involved, you know. Yeah. I mean his like from like that scene there's so much there with sort of um you know, the look that he's giving Brian Cranston is the sort of like I know what you're doing, you know, like you're trying to set me up with her, you know, and it's like almost like a fatherly you know, son type relationship that they have there. And like, I like that they don't have to, there's not a scene where, you know, he, they, they do father son stuff, you know, there's not a scene where they like show you that it's like, they show you that in an, in an expression, just one little expression. And I think that that's, what's so great about drive is that there's, there's layers of the storytelling that, you know, it kind of demands investment at least, if not repeat viewing, you know, it's like it, it helps you to kind of understand like who all of these people are. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff where they, they do it through moments instead of like hand holding or something, instead of showing like a good deed or something like, it's well, just, even the the yeah. thing where she finds out that um, Standard is coming back from prison, and like she tells him in the car, and there's not a there's no real reaction, you know, about that information, um, but it's almost like the the lack of reaction almost is more telling or something, you know. It's yeah. it's very much like I just rewatched. I, I really like Out of the Furnace, which you know some people don't like. I think it's pretty good, but it's the one with Christian Bale, um, and uh, like Woody Harrelson, Casey Affleck, Zoe Saldana, um, Forrest Whitaker is in there. Um, but there's this scene, and I hate to spoil it, but it, it's it, it's the same kind of vibe where like this character has been in prison for a while and he's coming back and he's trying to like reestablish his life uh and he's talking with somebody who has kind of moved on 
in their situation uh, without him knowing and then they kind of have to tell him a big piece of information and the character's reaction to it because he still cares about this person isn't to be upset he says oh my god and he says that's that's great news and she's like it is and he's like yeah yeah and he's crying because it hurts that he lost something you know he lost a chance at this this life that he had imagined and then she's crying because she's realizing that he's so good of a guy that he's not going to make me feel bad about this and that almost is worse that he's leaving me hanging with like almost like a what feels i think to her like a betrayal you know um and it's just a it's a very good scene um and it kind of that that that's what this reminded me of tonight like when i watched drive when i when i rewatched drive it's like him not reacting to the fact that her husband is returning from prison is almost like him sparing her that grief you know and that that pain of like i think he knew what it was you know from the start he found out pretty quickly that there was there was a husband in the picture you know and i think that it just lands with such a with such suddenness um and i think it's i think that's one of the things that's interesting about his character is like how closed off and guarded he is you know and i don't think you are supposed to really get a good read on him and i think that that's what leads a lot of people to criticize his performance in this movie yeah but i I like him this way they're all yeah no this is easily my favorite like gosling movie i've ever seen um yeah and uh this and the nice guys if you ever get a chance to see the nice guys yeah, we should do I saw, I, yeah I saw that I watched that and it was alright I don't know I didn't feel totally different side one way or the other about it but I really liked just like I don't know uh sort of like Gosling having to play sort of just like way way quiet you know like this whole movie is very like terse and like minimal and like incredibly lean and it's just like we're gonna get you know plot moving by like a handful of glances or like you know yeah. a sentence or, or a sentence <laughs> yeah. or a phrase or something like that yeah. and um, he's like the man with no name or like Edward Scissorhands like the, that's like the yeah. who well, driver just, is uh, like when he when he finds out that like standard lied to Irene about why he got beat up and like it's a great cut to like right after he like takes a sip of coffee after she's like oh yeah you know a couple of drunk kids or whatever and it like cuts back to him and he's just got like his head down after like you know looking at her before and it's just like I don't know as far as like editing and like movie building goes like this this movie is like one of my favorites and it's just so fun to look at and uh just has so much 
kind of like great design in it it's just like amazing like yeah. the music the sound design the whole thing is just awesome like so yeah the awesome. music is a huge part of the appeal of this movie it has like that instant style and you know something um uh this is i think clint mansell did the score for this one he also did the score for that sam rockwell movie um moon um Oh yeah, I and uh, that, I Moon's good, um, but it's a uh, like his score is great, and then the music that they like incorporated into um, this is sorry I got that wrong. Uh, Cliff Martinez did the music for this. Not Clint Mansell, but you can totally understand how I got that confused. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Cliff Martinez's score is fucking fantastic, um, and the music that they like brought in to like fill out the world is all really great stuff, like kind of techno-y, yeah. synthy, you know, '80s vibes to it yeah, super that totally complement the fucking. Like, even, like, the font that they're using for the credits and stuff is, like, complimented there. And I gotta tell you, as far as my... My favorite... I think my favorite chase scene is in this movie. And it's super understated. It's that first... That first scene where it's just, like, he's talking to the guys on the phone. He tells them what the deal is, what his services are. And then he goes to pick up his car, and you're expecting him to get this, like, sweet sports car. And he gets, like, a, what was it, a Chevy... The Impala. Um, Impala. Yeah. The most popular car in California. Nobody's going <laughs> to yeah. be looking at you. And it's like, oh, that's fucking brilliant. And, like, they tuned it up. They, like, put in a, a better motor and all this stuff. So it's, like, it's designed to get away as fast as possible if needed. But then we watch Driver be competent and not make a scene and be quiet and slip in and out of the shadows and like he knows when to pile it on and he knows when to be subtle and like that whole thing and like the guys in the back of the car that are sort of like holy fucking shit we're driving right behind the cop car what the fuck is this guy doing <laughs> yeah. like like that all of that stuff is so fucking good it immediately sets up how confident this guy is how good he is at his job and like i think the you know, the timing of it with, you know, he's listening to the basketball game. And you're like, yeah. huh, like, is this guy like a fan of basketball? And it's like, no, it has nothing to fucking do with it. Like, he is timing the end of this chase to coincide with the end of that game so that he can just disappear in a large crowd of people. And it's like, that's fucking awesome. And then the cut to uh, Kavinsky and Night Call over the opening credits uh is it's just so fucking good like just this like montage of him driving around in the city streets at night and i don't think we've had a character kind of filling that archetype since like taxi driver you know like the archetype yeah. of this lone driver in the middle of the night kind of absorbing into the city streets and the city streets absorbing into him and like it, it, it's a it's it's one of those ones that you can't overuse, you know, because if you do, it, you kind of give the game away, which I think is what happened with Baby Driver, 
which is the uh, um you know it's like i i really like it's, it's not taking anything away from edgar wright but like watching baby driver having seen drive you just go this is a fucking this is this is drive but like commercialized you know yeah <laughs> and it's it's like hollow you know it's probably one of like my least favorite edgar wright films because it just feels like you know kind of a, a rehash or something um yeah but yeah, I don't know. That whole opening sequence, that like first ten minutes of drive, is like it sets the scene so perfectly, you know. Yeah. No, I mean the uh, yeah this this whole thing is like really, really well done, um, and like getting that peek at the character like that early on, and like getting that strategy in, just uh, I don't know, it's genius. Because then you can, like, kind of scratch the itch of, like, oh, like, this is the kind of driver he is. Like, you're not going to get a bunch of car chases or something. You know, he's driving. Like, There's a lot of people that outright rejected uh, Drive when it came out because I think the marketing leaned on it being, um, like, a slightly more artsy version of the Fast and the Furious movies that were coming out. <laughs> and it's like... Well, that's great to get people Whoops. into the theater, but you get the <laughs> yeah. wrong people in the theater. You get people that are like, there's, like, only fucking two car chases, and one of them, like, it's not even, like, a fucking fast or anything. Yeah. You know, you get, like, all the wrong people to come see your movie. Um, that second car chase is bitching, though. Oh, my God. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, Super just him bitching. peeling out of the parking lot with the fucking door open... <laughs> And it like slamming shut from the <laughs> from the force of him peeling out. That's fucking sick. Well, that, just like, like reverse. Exactly. Like him justifying. Like I only realized it this time. I was like, he's going in reverse because like when he spins round, he's gonna need to be going slow enough to make that turn. And like the dude that's going forward and like keeping speed isn't yeah. gonna be able to time that turn and he's gonna crash or whatever and I was just like, Oh my fucking yeah. god, like this is the geometry <laughs> the geometry of the cars won't allow that guy to get out of that situation and it's like that is fucking sick. Oh, so geez. good. The smartest, most <laughs> fancy pants action movie. Like and like the artsiest fancy pantsiest action movie, like it's a great shot of uh everything about this movie I love. It's a great shot of Hendrix too of her in the back seat like oh, wild eyed yeah. while that car is flipping around yep. behind her like slow mo real good yeah real good stuff yeah again more great slow mo you know just yeah. like sort of uh, a good look at her you know just looking all terrified and shit um I like how I like the dude the... never looks over his shoulder like, no yeah amazing. no all business that's a Heath Ledger Joker trick. <laughs> Did you ever see that footage, like the B-roll footage of uh, the hospital blowing up? I don't think so. They had a camera mounted in the school bus. So, like, the Joker gets in the school bus, and then they were going to have a shot where you could see it blowing up while the Joker was in the school bus, and, like, Heath Ledger never looked at the building. Like, <laughs> he's the, the building is blowing up right next to his face, and he's just, like, looking forward you know <laughs> um cool but yeah no i mean that's a great that's a great little detail about like what characters are like not 
like that the amount I guess of confidence that they that they have at what they've accomplished it's like they don't need to double check you know they know they're good yeah yeah Oscar Isaacs I actually don't mind at all in this movie this is the first time I had seen him I think this is yeah. the first time I had seen him, and he, he's he's very good. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's playing a character that I don't I don't really associate with him. Like I don't feel like that's him. Like I, I really do feel like he's acting here. Yeah, he you hasn't know? like played a bad guy since. Or no, not really. I, mean, I haven't really seen him, you know, and much other stuff besides like Disney and Marvel shit. But he's the guy that I want to see play uh, Zorro more than anybody else. I feel like he could do a real good Zorro. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, I just like... I don't know. I, I, I didn't like Moon Knight. Yeah, I didn't like him in Moon Knight. Uh, and... Yeah, but like, how good was Ethan Hawke? <laughs> uh, so, a little backstory there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, he played... like. The moments that Reffin captures on him also of just being this kind of like desperate, uh, sort of jealous, uh, suspicious dude that you're like not supposed to like is just so, so well done. And it's like done through just like really great, seemingly wholesome moments or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, um, He's interesting to watch because it's not it, like everything else in this movie. It, the important stuff isn't really stated, you know. It's yeah. a, it's just a vibe, it's a look, it's a choice of word, you know. Um, it's in like a general approach or something. Like when he first interacts with Driver, and it's like, oh, I hear you've been you've been looking out for Irene while I was away, you know. And you're just like. Hmm. This feels like vaguely threatening, but it's not. It's not a threat, but it, it's it is. You know, and it's yeah. they they repeat it again. And I just want to say, you know, talking about a lonely, you know, driver uh, out in the streets at night and everything. This movie has Albert Brooks in it. Albert Brooks was actually in Taxi Driver, um, but he plays uh, the he plays Bernie. Uh, this like gangster and they do a similar trick with him where he talks about what happened to Shannon's leg Shannon Brian Cranston and uh, him being like you know Nino's friends got involved and they didn't go for the overcharging bit so they broke his pelvis and he's like you know he's never had a lot of luck you know and uh, like just the way that he's talking about it's like an implied threat it's not direct. It's not saying, like, hey, if you don't perform, you know, they, they're talking about stock car racing in the scene. It's like he's not saying, if you don't perform, if you don't do well, then, like, something could happen to you. It's just saying, like, well, I mean, this type of stuff has happened before. You know, whether or not history repeats itself, who knows? I'm just saying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, eh, yeah, uncomfortable. And again, Ryan Gosling's subtle looks, like when Albert Brooks is walking away from that scene, you can see him being like, mm, "Who am I involved with?" You know, like who is this guy? 
I mean, you, know? you see it from the from the jump. He like doesn't shake his hand at first. You know, like that moment is one like of my favorites. When he goes, up. he goes, "My hands are a little dirty," and Albert Brooks goes, "So are mine." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like such a great little moment, like you know. Yeah, uh, he's got. I mean, Reffin does a really good job of like casting heroes and villains. You know, that, like, I don't know, feel like I- iconic bad guys while still being incredibly unique. Like the like the jumpsuit mobster that gets uh, his hand broken at the strip Chris club. Cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris Cook. Yeah, Chris um, Cook. I feel like he's a, uh, a callback to, like, the dudes in Pusher. Because they like, I think yeah. they all work for uh, I think an Armenian guy, who yeah, th- has like a bunch of dudes under him that are always wearing these like fly ass jumpsuits. And I uh, actually, I actually think, just to validate what you're saying, is I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, Standard owes protection money from his time in prison and is assaulted by Albanian gangster Chris Cook. So nice. I think you're 100% correct. <laughs> Hell yeah, he is this, Albanian. Uh, yeah, because he's also, like, I feel like Reffin's building this little uh, Reffin verse also, because, like, mm-hmm. there's always these little, little callbacks to, like, other stuff in a lot of this, like, crimey shit that he's doing. Yeah. But, uh... Dude, when he walks in there and just smashes his fucking hand with that hammer, <laughs> like, like, four fuck times. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, that's a great oh. moment when he's just, like, uh... He's like, oh, so what do you get out of it? He's like, that's... That's, well, that's just what I get out of it. Out of it. You know, he's yeah. just sitting there, like, quaking, like, clenching the hammer. Uh, yeah. So good. You can tell he's very uncomfortable, but I think part of that discomfort that he's feeling, and I don't know if I'm right about this, but I always got the sense that this is not... He's He's been in high-stakes situations like this before. I always got the sense that he was involved in some type of potential gang type thing yeah, in the past. Yeah, you didn't get like a backstory I guess, to you? Yeah. I mean, I always felt like that's what the scorpion was. Yeah. Like the scorpion on his back isn't just a symbol that he chose, but a symbol that like a group of people that he had associated with had used. You know? Yeah. And I always kind of imagined him being in some type of gang situation that went south that he had to escape from. And that's like why you know shannon's like you know he just showed up in the shop one day looking for a job and everything and it's like yeah he disappeared from like the east coast you know traveled all the way across the country and then set up shop in los angeles hoping that the worst was behind him you know and like yeah who knows i I do like i do like that that you don't really get you don't get anything either you know like he's got not training but he's got some kind of like talent for you know dispatching people um but yeah wow it's uh he does a good job like Reffin does a good job kind of like I don't know I guess setting this character up to be a threat without you know Yeah, without kind of, like, having to sell it too hard. No, yeah. 
when Oscar Isaac gets out um, and he's like squaring up with like Gosling for the first time he's just like smiling and like still looking at like his wife and his kid you know just like very casually cause you know he has a his own relationship with them and it's like yeah. their exchange is always is like super great and like most of his exchanges with like everybody else in this movie is just like this dude isn't afraid of anybody like everyone's yeah. doing a lot of posing and there's a lot of like mobster like tough guy stuff but he's yeah. just like just a fucking you know a cement slab of just like yeah nothing and uh you know i think that I, sort of sells the not tough guy thing but kind of just like you know this this guy wants like craves violence or something like that and he just has to like bottle it up or something you know that's another thing about the scorpion like it's it's brought back later on uh, I think they talk about the scorpion and the frog where you know the the parable it's like the the scorpion is you know using the frog to cross the river and you would think that if you're using the frog to cross the river you wouldn't attack the frog but in the parable that's what the scorpion does you know and the reason the scorpion does it is it's because it's his nature that's just who he is you know and yeah. i think that that's another reason for that that symbol is it's like this guy i he's certainly capable of extreme violence and whether or not he wants to is maybe up in the air if he wants to be violent because i don't yeah. i don't think that he wants to but i think that he finds himself in the position that he has to i think the only time i ever see him um be violent or threaten violence at a time where maybe it's unwarranted is actually directly juxtaposed with a scene where <clears throat> I think it has to do with Irene and Standard um, early on when he's back from prison and him kind of dealing with that whole thing when he runs into that guy in the diner and oh, yeah. the dude starts kind of like talking to him about a job or something that they had done previously and just that moment of Ryan Gosling's, Gosling snapping and being like, you know, why don't you shut your mouth or I'll kick your teeth down your throat and I'll shut it for you. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> just comes out of nowhere and it's the first time you've really heard him well, say like, anything like that. The music, <laughs> you know? the music changes like, yeah. oh God. It's really like such a well-built movie. It's like crazy. Um, I love his he has extreme eye contact with that guy too like he says all of that stuff and he never blinks <laughs> yeah. you know he means it you know he'll do yeah. it yeah uh, this movie is great it's like it's super super lean dude like super kind of like oh there's money involved or like you know more money than originally intended and uh this dude who is seemingly trying to avoid crime or something is like finding his way back to it and uh yeah it's like not really a revenge story but it's still like engaging and like pretty 
concise, you know, or like yeah. pretty, uh, like small, like grounded. Um, and I like, um, um, yeah, it just works. I like, yeah, I like Nino as a character too, of like this sort of, <clears throat> I think he feels like a, somebody that's trying to be bigger than he is, you know, maybe carries a lot of shame about not being as big as he thinks he is, you yeah. know, and yeah, him is, being, ugh. him being so ambitious, uh, kind of causes everything that happens at the second half of that movie, you know, and, um, yeah, ultimately his, gets him killed, <laughs> you know, his meltdown at the end is awesome. Yeah. Um, he's just talking about the like, East Coast family or whatever, and he's just like, fuck those guys. Like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck this kid moving in and, like, on our stuff or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He just. He managed, like, Reffin manages to, like, humanize these characters really well and, like, turn the, like, mob shit into like this stressful like uh frustrating thing instead of like all right you whack him then you know and then that'll be done i'll call this guy and that'll be that it's like everything is a mess in this movie and it's just like brian when you find out brian cranston tells what bernie about like irene and the kid that's a moment where you actually see ryan gosling like lose it that's the only time in this movie where you see driver i think actually show what's inside normally he's much more guarded but that moment where he's like i should fucking kill you you know (laughs) this is that moment and then the moment where he's like you have to leave you have to go like leave town and never come back you know it's like all of that stuff is fucking it's awesome it's it's such a cool way i think playing him so even keeled the rest of the time um, helps elevate that moment to oh, yeah. where you're like, oh man, like we're in a real bad spot. Like this is not good. You yeah. know? Yeah, you feel that like anxiety and like even the the head mobsters like Bernie and Nino, like you feel yeah. kind of the stress of just like posturing, <laughs> you know? When, I when Nino like Nino spills his guts, comes clean about all of this stuff to Bernie. And then when Bernie, like, walks up, he just grabs a fork and he stabs Cook in the eye. And then he walks into the kitchen while Cook is screaming about having a fork in his eye. He grabs a knife and just stabs him, like, seven times in the throat. And then just turns to Nino and he's like, there, now you have to clean up one of my messes. <laughs> like, oh, man, like, so good. I like the, the look on, um, on Bernie's face when he's doing that because, like, it doesn't look like he's enjoying it at all. Like he's just it, making a point. Like it looks like he's like kind of wincing as he's yeah. like stabbing this dude, and it's just yeah. again just the the way this movie is like built. It's like you know these are these are dudes that are just dudes stressing out because they have more shit to think about because they're like higher up on whatever mob totem you know and. uh and they have whatever hang-ups, you know, like, Bernie's gotta yeah. kill his dudes, fucking Nino's got his fucking hang-ups with the family that he's gotta, like, keep in check and kill Cook, and it's just, like... 
Dude, uh, wait, the other thing show. I wanted to mention too when we were talking about Christina Hendricks, but uh, when when Cook yells at her when he's having the meeting with Drive and Standard, <laughs> and he's like, you know, what the fuck are you rolling your eyes at me for? And he's like, Standard, why don't you take her and go get her a Coke or whatever the fuck he says? And like, they show her get up, and I love the fact that like, there's literally like a foot of space behind Ryan Gosling before you're in the fountain. And then there's this three feet of space between Ryan Gosling and Cook, and she purposely walks around uh, Ryan Gosling to, like, not get near Cook. Like, she just purposely goes, like, all the way around, almost, like, walking into the water to avoid getting near this guy. And it, like, tells you everything you need to know about, you know, who he is and, you know, his reputation with yeah. people. Yeah. God. So yeah, it's, it's like... Such you get good storytelling, seconds. man. Yeah, exactly. Like seconds with all these characters, and you just like, you know the deal. And it's just like, oh, okay, fuck this guy. Like, yeah. great. He writes "fuck you" on his hand. And like, this is what, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like awesome. You know, like yeah. awesome. And then you know, Ryan Gosling very calmly responds. And he's just like, you don't go near his family, and his debt is yeah. paid. Like, do you understand? Yeah. And it's just like, this great, yeah, great, great, great understated stuff. And, um. I, I, I want to say, though, I when know. he makes Cook eat that bullet, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but, like, when you have somebody eat something, like, when you force feed somebody something in a movie, I never feel like they do it well. Like, because he, like, puts it in his mouth and then, like, puts his hand over his mouth. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean he has to swallow it. That just means that it's sitting in his mouth, right? So, it almost is, like, one of those things that I wish people wouldn't use in movies unless they had, like, a really good justification as to how you get this person to swallow that bullet. I I honestly, when he held it to his forehead and he had the hammer up... (laughs) I was like, fucking do it. Let's go. I was like, fucking nail it right into this guy's fucking forehead. I would have been all for it. Like, that That would have been awesome. That would have been a crazy execution. He's just like, thanks. And, like, after the phone, like, once the phone starts ringing, he's just like, bang. Bang. Picks up the phone. Dude, what if it, like, what if it was able to hit the firing pin, like, on the, like, what if it caused the bullet to combust, so, like, you hit it, and it goes, bang, and the like, bullet fucking flies through Cook's head, <laughs> just blows his brains out on the ground. That's what I'm saying, like, dude. Fuck yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I, that's what I want. It's so that's good. Want. So good. But, um, yeah, the yeah, elevator kiss hasn't come up yet, and that's, like, one of the, another just great, sort of, uh, shining moment that only <laughs> accentuates the head stomp in the elevator more because it's like you it's, know it's, it, he's saying goodbye yeah. you know that's a goodbye kiss you know yeah and, and it's it just, like uh, it's so just such a stark yeah like shift from uh, you know this like this moment that he finally achieves you know after this whole movie and it's like well and that's like that's it that's all you get and like yeah. there's the moment at the at the end after you find out that he's like alive mm-hmm. when it cuts to Irene like knocking on the door and it looks like she hears something or something and you're like you're like wait a minute is he about to like 
show up and they live like happily ever after or whatever and he just turns into another uh, standard or whatever but then it like cuts to like him just driving and it's like you know a, a perfect and like beautiful and tragic ending to an equally perfect and immaculate movie you know I love the fake out too of him after <laughs> he gets blinking. stabbed by <laughs> when he gets stabbed by um by Bernie and they have that shot where it's like you started his foot and you just slowly make your way up to his face and he just is still and it's like this almost like sunset type setting and you're like oh no it just goes on and on and on you're like fuck he died and it's just like a huge you know it's a it's a huge blow and then finally he blinks you know and you're like fuck Yes, he's alive, you know. But I've had, like... I've seen, like, theories about that, too, where it's like, no, 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 he died. You know, <laughs> he did, he died, and it's like, oh, now he's, like, driving away, you know, and it's, like, metaphors and stuff. But I'm like, no, he's he's fine. He's yeah. fine. You can't beat this fucking guy. He's he's the best, yeah. you know. I It leaves me feeling, though, it's it's very much like the man with no name, like that kind of... Uh, like the western type figure that it makes me want more you know like it yeah. makes me think like well like why couldn't we do a sequel kind of well yeah I don't know because if you do a sequel you you run the risk of oversaturating like I think the the flaw in a lot of our marketing because of capitalism um, is like oh, here uh, we fucking go, <laughs> Jesus Christ Almighty! Is, is the the yearning for a sequel without the um, without the same drive behind it, uh, or like the, like Can't a, a decent turn idea? Turn this guy off, you know. <laughs> like, like without an idea, you know. Like if you're yeah. gonna go into a sequel just to just to scratch an itch it's almost like a, a disservice to the first one and like don't get me wrong I would love like a drive trilogy or something just to get my fix or something but like a part of me sort oh. of recognizes that like I only want all of I only want more because like this is so well done you know and yeah it would be asking Refn to, like, do this dance again. I mean, it's like the Incredibles guy. Like, the dude has an amazing roster of movies and is hounded pretty much for, like, sequels to all of his stuff. Like, everyone's like, what about a second Iron Giant? What about Incredibles 2? And it's like, these, yeah. these movies take forever and they're like, they take, you know, years and, like, years and years and years to, like, create... <laughs> And, uh, you know, and they're just, I mean, and I imagine he's getting paid well and I'm sure he likes what he's doing, but like, and we're doing sequels, but. I just want to be really clear. Like when I say I want a sequel to Drive and you say like, oh, I would like to have a Drive trilogy or whatever. I, you're misunderstanding kind of my, what I'm looking for. Like what I want to have is. Like, yes, a Drive trilogy, but I also want, like, Drive on TV. 
How about like a flashback show where we learn how Bernie became Bernie and how his hands got dirty? How about like a, a Brian Cranston uh, show before Ryan Gosling showed up at the garage and like the last scene of that series will be Ryan Gosling showing up and being like, oh my God, can I get a drive? What about like a prison show where Standard is in prison and like every once in a while he has a phone call that he places and we get to see Irene and like the, the boy and when he's younger. You know, like, we get to see him grow up, and then, you know, that's when Drive would start. Like, I'm talking about, like, a whole universe of, like, spin-off shows, <laughs> maybe a video game, you know, and, like, all of these things you have to watch in order to understand what's going on in the other ones. Action you know? figures, t-shirts, everything. dice. Yes. The whole Merchandising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm... I'm not talking about, like, a, a paltry trilogy or something. I'm talking about... <laughs> Like a like a drive. I'm talking universe. about a wing at Disneyland. Yeah, that's what I want. A drive universe. <laughs> you know, Christ. maybe we can have like a show where like every episode of like the the Nino spinoff show. Um, there's something about Nino. Uh, it's like every <laughs> everybody time everybody loves Nino. Everybody loves Nino, and like uh, every time an episode ends, they have talking Nino. And Chris Hardwick talks with, like, cast members, and they take fan questions from Twitter about the show, and they talk about it, like, right after you see it, you know? So you don't have time to form your own opinion. You just listen to them talk I about... I hated that, dude. I, I, uh... Fuck. Well, I mean, we could get a different host. <sighs> for... If that's the problem. For fucking, uh... <laughs> What's this show called? Uh, Talking Dead. That's right. Oh my god. Of course I couldn't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) His AMC's Ryan Gosling. I fucking hate that. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, no, it's... uh, No, here's my my actual vision about if they were doing a Drive sequel. No relation at all to the first movie except for drive driver you know nothing else they wouldn't talk about anything that happened in the first one uh it would just be driver in a different location and something else happening whatever that would be he's in alaska yeah and they uncover an alien spaceship okay but and he, he gets to drive the spaceship. That's right. Are you fucking serious? The alien, you know, oh. body snatches him and a handful of others, mutates them beyond recognition, manages to waste the whole camp, get back on the spaceship, get back to his home world in time for a bank heist. <sighs> Boom, movie starts. That's, yes, that's really good. And actually, because we're going, like, interplanetary, right, we could start to be like, well, you know, depending on who holds the rights to different things, we could have crossovers. Like, how cool would it be to have a Driver Riddick movie? You know? Like, those two, like a buddy cop, uh, like, comedy? Like a buddy comedy or something with with Driver and Riddick? (laughs) They don't say anything. 
No, the entire time it's just very quiet <laughs> in the <That's> car. Awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. It's real good. Hell yeah. I'm totally into it. <laughs> no, it's like it's Miami. Okay. I'm doing a real pitch, okay? <laughs> Unless your thing was also a real pitch. I don't know. You might not. be you might be crazy enough to be like this'll work. Um <laughs> I mean <laughs> It would. Let's you not know. lie. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if people will pay to see the next Avatar movie, um, anything could work. Um, That's, right. That's right. So, real pitch. He's in Miami. Okay. Um, and he is uh, still driving for heists. Okay. Um, he has... But, like, what's the thing that's happening? Uh, drug thing, right? We already did money, we did the mob. Now we're gonna do, uh, drug thing. Somebody that he knows, uh, gets somehow embroiled in, uh, like a cocaine smuggling thing. And he gets to drive a cigarette boat! Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. At the end. He gets to drive a cigarette boat. So that'd be kinda cool. Um, but yeah. Boat chase? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Might be neat. Yeah, heck yeah. Maybe. Yeah, you know, if there's a, if they if you can find another like love story there, you know, like I don't know. That's yeah. that's the other thing. It's like the backdrop of this thing is like this tension between uh, Driver and Irene. And uh, what if that's the end of the third movie? What? Like if you go the if you follow it through, any like has to leave Miami or whatever and then he disappears into the Alaskan wilderness and he goes on a space adventure right um but what if at the end of that movie um through some type of twist of fate like Irene's left Los Angeles and she's starting a new life in the great white north and they like just happen to like run into each other and then they do wind up living happily ever after right at the end of this trilogy you like it's always been her you know yeah that'd be fun sure <laughs> I just uh, yeah I don't know I I don't know I find myself constantly checking myself whenever I like read something and I'm like I want more yeah and it's just like wait does this just mean that like this was so good that I could experience this forever and just like want to read it again or is it like you know something else you know cause yeah. like it's not always more you know more isn't always better and yeah. like uh, and just being greedy yeah exactly and it, it can it can be like a a like a void you know yeah that's impossible I mean, to fill or something. Well, that's what's great about the Yellow Light trilogy. Is it's like, okay, well, we don't have a Drive trilogy, but, like, we have these other movies that are yeah. floating around in similar, you know, similar territories. Um, so that's going to be kind of cool to get into those. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. Like, I, I, if somebody came up with a great story, I'd say, okay, 
let's do it. But definitely doesn't come to me as quickly as, like, the Unbreakable sequel that <laughs> should have been comes to me very quickly. Um, yeah. There's a couple that, that stand out that I'm like, yeah, like that, that easily could happen. But Drive definitely feels tough. Or the nice guys. I think the nice guys could have a sequel easily. But they, that movie flopped really hard when it came out. Nobody went to see it. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But whatever. Anyways, um, next week we'll talk about the second movie in the trilogy, Nightcrawler. Cool. Which have you seen? I feel like I might have started watching it or something. Yeah. Does it got him, like, wearing sunglasses on the beach? And it's, like, an upshot. He's got, like, slicked back hair. He does have sunglasses and kind of slicked back hair, but I don't remember him on a beach. Okay. It could be Prisoners, I'm thinking of. Nope. Not that one, either. Uh, It started... Lou Bloom is, uh... He's... Scavenging materials, I think, at the start to like resell or something, and a police officer interrupts him, and then. Oh wait, yeah, he's like on a bike. Is he trying to flip a bike at one point? Like riding around in circles. I don't think so, brother. (laughs) No, he's not like a shyster. He's he's like uh, he's, I think he has a car. And I think he's trying to, he might be, he's, I think he was getting stuff to sell to a, a, um, construction company or something. I can't remember. But, yeah. Huh, what movie am I thinking of then? Dude, he I like, got no idea. Bubble Boy. He, like, steals a bunch of stuff. No, it's, it's like, you know, same era. Yeah. But he's like a kind of swindler. Just like... Mysterio. Seals That's Spider-Man and... from, uh, uh, Far From Home. Yeah, right. Oops. Is that it? Alright, we're getting we're getting we're getting loose here. Alright. Uh let's uh let's call it. Thank you guys for listening to the one hundred and fifty third episode of uh What the Fuck Are We Talking About? Uh we love you and <sighs> I don't know. Just stay safe. Yeah. Good luck out there. Yeah. Keep making stuff that you love. And, uh, you know, try not to let the police fucking get you down. Or the state. Et cetera, et cetera. I like their their music. Et cetera, et cetera? No, the police. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I'll save that one for another another episode. <laughs> Good night. You hear his voice every week on WT Fada. But now, you can take a little bit of him home with you. That's right. 
Simply go to l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash a-w-e dot comics, and you'll find links to all of Mr. Ryan Alves's magnificent work. Everything from his bubblegum maelstroms to his mustache Batmans uh, and beyond. Uh, go check it out. Go pick yourself up a couple of books. Nick Wallace is the dude's name. I just found the soundbite. Check it out. Oh. Easter egg? Why are we so quiet about challenging the U.S. when they threaten human rights? Some people have said in here, oh, we can't be talking why, why, How dare we talk about the U.S.? Well, we talk about everybody else. Is the U.S. a functioning democracy? Well, let's have a look at it. It costs $2 billion to become president. They're 25% of the total prisoners in the world. They spend over $800 billion a year on arms, which is uh, more than most of the world put together. They've been at war for 250 years since their state was formed 275 years ago. But they can't afford universal health care. They can't afford the 1.7 trillion debt forgiveness for students. They can't afford a program for the, 1 pint, for the 17 million children that go to bed hungry. Is this a functioning democracy? What's your idea of a democracy? Bernie Sanders wasn't even allowed to win the nomination for the Democrats. The Americans couldn't spell democracy. A woman's right to choose is a human right. Why are we... That's, that's not fair. So, first of all, D-E-M... Democracy. A... If it's any consolation, I can't spell it, dude. R... I think it's like a hack that they figured out. Like, K. That's what I'm uh, saying, dude. R. <laughs> I. S. S. Y. So you know, know there's put that a, in your pipe and smoke it. I know there's at least one I in there. And second of all, <laughs> second of all, <laughs> I mean, we have a huge, we have a big obesity problem in this country correct so you know you're talking about people are hungry well that's on them okay <laughs> you know like if you eat 12 big macs and you're still hungry that's a you problem okay that's not an america problem okay and maybe we wouldn't have so many prisoners if people weren't breaking so many laws okay so let's let's like think about that all right there's a reason for these things you know, and I'm not going to stand by and listen to this apparent pro wrestler badmouth <laughs> the greatest nation on earth. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to just stand by while this guy drags my my country, America, America, God, something, something, God. You know, and that's you know, I'm not doing it. So, something else about brotherhood. And yeah, something about. Something more God and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. I'm not, I'm not listening to this, you know. And we, you know, maybe we wouldn't need so many arms if people weren't breaking so many laws and, and being prisoners and stuff, you know. Yeah, got to know world, what he's talking about. If the world wasn't such criminals. We would definitely need less, you know, military everywhere. That's right. See? Yeah. 
This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, you know. <clears throat> no, I want him to run for president, though. You right really hate this country, don't you? Oh, you have Just... no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you have some... I think you have some vague idea, considering, like... I heard a Probably the, uh, the harsh turn it, this whole show took as soon as I showed up. No, we were... We were still... We were still... We were still socially questioning. John and I had some good stuff the, yeah. uh, that we talked about just being like... Especially during the election. That was a fun time. Where it was just like, we're fucked either way. Like, it doesn't really matter what happens. Like, it, we fully understand that we are in for it. We're in for a... What I would call a... Um, a... A semi-non-consensual fisting is what I would have <laughs> called it. And that's what we're getting. I mean, <laughs> I did vote for Biden, so I guess I asked for it. Uh, right. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, right? I, it really feels like I was coerced into taking that fist. <laughs> yeah. It really feels like, you know, yeah, it really under my own... Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have happened any other way. Yeah, it's it's for sure under duress that that man is shoulder deep in me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, just yeah. grabbing onto my uh, uvula, you know, yeah, his little just hand, <laughs> just pulling me in close and sniffing my hair. <sighs> the kids like to rub my legs in the pool. I have these blonde hairs that stand up in the sun, you know. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about, man? Shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. His his America speech, man. America summed up in one word. Excuse me. Fuck. Fuck the state. Fuck their puppets. God, I hate this place. <laughs> I wish that this episode was, like, out for the 4th of July. It feels yeah, right. like it's been a much more... <laughs> I mean, I think it's com we're coming from a place of, uh, you know... <clears throat> all of the stuff is fresh in the mind, you know? Like, contemplating why we were celebrating America's birthday, you know? And if we were celebrating America's birthday. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that was, the, that was the assignment. I don't know yeah. why you didn't do it. But anyways... <laughs> yeah. um, oh, like, you know... <laughs> yeah. I got drunk on the third. I, I got my reasons. Okay. Yeah. I got my motherfucking reasons. <clears throat> I told John yeah. when I was walking with him because we were we were joking around all day. We me and him hung out on the fourth. Nice. And we were we were joking around all day about, you know, America, you know. And uh I was like, my my favorite thing is that it's not only the birthday of the greatest nation on earth, but of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna go out tonight, I'm gonna drink, and I'll light some fireworks, I'm gonna fuck my cousin. <laughs> Who is a man. Who is a man. <laughs> but it's not gay because it's family. <laughs> gay is against God. Don't forget. That might be my favorite, my favorite rule ever. <laughs> it ain't gay if it's family. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <sighs>
Oh no! You could have, you could have that one. <laughs> Put that on a T-shirt. You know, I mean. <laughs> Just might. It's the Confederate flag behind it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna pass the fuck out.